0: Welcome back to Real Talk, everyone. I'm KC. I'm here with Zoe and Danielle to have a conversation um, that we're all really excited about. Um, one thing I think, and Danielle, I'd be curious if you agree with me about this, that in diversity circles that perhaps we don't do the best job at a lot of the time is conversations about disability and access.
1: 100%. It's one of my big wigs. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I, I keep bringing it up. I'm like, hey, we, we're forgetting a few things.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in conversations. And then Zoe, I mean, you have a personal connection to issues of, of education and disability.
2: Yeah, so my brother, he has autism, and it's something that I just grew up with, and I've seen all the ins and outs growing up in Milford public school system, so
0: yeah. Yeah, and our conversation today, we're I feel like we're living up to our, um, our mission as a public university, inviting guests from our public schools um, in the area, from Milford public schools. We've got three guests with us today. We've got first Johnny Vicino.
3: Good morning.
0: Yep. AKA Johnny V. Um, we have Eric Paradis. Hello, everybody. And we have Aaron Williams. Good morning. Um, so welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to, to campus. Welcome to the podcast. Um, we're excited to have this conversation. And the first place that I think we can start is, um, you know, the ways that, that we talk about disability. So we're... A podcast so we we talk about language all the time. Yes. And um and also ways that people can be supportive allies. Like I've recognized as a teacher like learning from a, my students, learning from um people with with close family members, friends, partners who have disabilities ways that I'm like, "Oh wow, I'd never thought about that that way. I never thought about that. Um I can change my practices to be a better ally." So I mean, I think that's a good place for us to start. What are some ways that um, we can shift both language and practices? And you two are higher ed, or you you two are, are education professionals.
4: You work with students all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the important things is that a lot of times as adults, we need to get out of the way. Mm. And we need to have our young people, you mm. know, in have leadership roles and show us how to be an ally and be a better person ourselves. And then, you know, in my role as, you know, I want to make sure that we're making good connections everywhere for our students, so they can go off and do amazing, cool things, mm-hmm. and be a part of their community. Right. And that's sort of my one of my huge end goals is I want to make sure all of our young people have the opportunity to get out there and follow their path, and go off and be amazing. Mm. So part of that path for here for Johnny. Johnny, I not to talk a little bit about what your big interest is.
3: Yes, um, my my big interest is podcasting, radio, all the above, music, um, mm-hmm. sports, kind of that, a
0: little bit. Yeah, and we, Johnny, we told you that this is not going to be as exciting a podcast as the kind that you want to make. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, we never have music. We have we do have intro music, yeah. but that comes in after. Yeah, and we certainly—I don't know anything about sports. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, so you all, as as teachers, um, you find out what people you work at. Like Johnny, you're in a transition program, which is a, yeah, a step between, um, or actually, how would you describe it?
4: I yeah, no, it's think. okay. So transition programs are for folks who have finished their high school credits but still need some time. Working and staying in public schools, it's getting ready for college, career, whatever's going to happen afterwards. Mm-hmm. All right, so Johnny is in one of our transition programs. So, Johnny, why don't you talk a little bit about what that means?
3: Um, and that means to get ready for when you get out of high school. It's called the PGTA program. Um, a, special needs, a special needs program. It's a special needs um, program for Milford Public Schools. And kind of go out on job sites and explore the, mm-hmm. what you want to do for each career someday. So.
5: Um, and I think a, a big way people support Johnny, in that is that um, businesses open their doors to us, ah, right? Mm-hmm. And allow your group, your class to go in and get that work experience, you know? Um, and for most of the students, it's really their first time out on mm. a job, you know, um, maybe eating lunch at with coworkers. What mm-hmm. does that look, look like? Because <laughs> we all know like? it's different know. <laughs> than eating lunch in a cafeteria, yeah. right? Um, I had a student uh, who had his lunch taken mm. from a... Work room, lunch room, and he was livid. He was not oh. happy. Um, yeah. But it was like, well, that happens when it's oh, yeah, different, it does you know? Happen. Like mm-hmm. in a workroom fridge, right? It can happen, and there's no cafeteria to go and get more.
0: Right. That's um, a right. Many little things like that that right. you don't necessarily think about until yep. they happen.
5: Yeah. So it's kind of exposing the, them to all those experiences, and also, you know, how do you? have a conversation um, with your boss. What's appropriate, what's not appropriate, mm-hmm. right? And kind of what are the good and bads of jobs, right? Yeah. That not every job is going to be, you know, amazing and you're going to like every single aspect, right? So where are some of the places you work?
3: Um, Burlington and um, we go to a stop and shop. Oh, yeah. Um, to get food for um, what we're going to make.
0: So Nice. And, you know, Zoe, um, feel free to jump in here at any point, too. So Zoe's joining us via Zoom, um, which actually works. We have, you know, the full studio today. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so do jump in here.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, transition programs are awesome. My brother, he... We went to um, Joseph Foreign Warren High School, and he went through the FIVE program, and that's where he found his current job. And now he's back in Milford Public Schools working um, for the other high school in Milford, Jonathan um, Law. Jonathan Law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he gets to be in the community that helped raise him. So, honestly, transition, the transition programs that Milford Public Schools has in place really work Um mm-hmm. And they're definitely something that's needed and necessary. And I, I hope that a lot of schools around the country have things like that. I know that it's different for each state.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I've been thinking a lot about public education recently. We've been talking a lot about it. And I do, you know, certainly the public education system in the U.S. is imperfect. Um, certainly the United States is not perfect when it comes to um, accommodating people yeah. with, <laughs> with disabilities and with different kinds of um, needs, different kinds of bodies, uh, all kinds of things. But the uh, Individuals with Disabilities Act and the Americans with Disabilities Act, both um, 1990, right? Uh, the idea was
4: 1972, I think. 1972. 1972. So
0: access to f- to public education that's appropriate
4: yeah. So the Individual Disabilities Education Act sort of outlined the rules in which schools have to help students with disabilities access their education to sort of have an equal playing foot, equal, equal playing ground for everybody. Mm-hmm.
0: And so that's been, you know, my reality as a person going through the schools, that that was always true. And then I was just thinking this morning, like, um, well, thinking about how after school, after a transition program, there are a lot of challenges and then I was thinking, man, like, what about before all of these laws? Mm.
4: Much worse. Much worse.
0: Yeah. So I'm trying to, like, imagine, I guess, there's just no access to school before no, that. And, or, it, and a lot know. of
4: times schools are really either shutting kids out altogether, like, not allowing them to come to school at all. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, sort of like Welcome Back Cotter, putting kids in the basement near the boiler room and hoping oh. that they don't make a ruckus. and So just containing quiet. them yeah. during yeah. the school day. Yep. And, like, oh, no real education. <laughs> wow.
0: So, what are some ways? Um, I know that the, the Connecticut State colleges and universities are actually having an accessibility summit. Um, and just thinking about what you said, Eric, that, that really um, we as quote unquote adults, which I have yet to feel like I am one day. One day. One day. Yeah, we're in our 30s and 40s. But um, anyway, we, so anyway, these quote unquote adults, faculty and staff. Um, but I do think that w- that can't we can't just have conversations where we talk amongst ourselves about what do the students need. Mm-hmm. Um, any kind of student. so yeah. what do, what are some of the things that and I'd love to hear from all three of you. Um, what do you wish that people knew? teachers, yeah. staff
3: um, I kind of wish that people would know like what is Petro needs kids need because some people uh, don't know. Like, what like what people need, and that's kind of, it's not, like, sad. It's just something you have to be aware of. Mm-hmm.
5: What's something you
3: need? Um, something I need is um, for places to be ADA accessible, and sometimes right. I go places and they're not, so I kind of get upset over that.
0: Yeah, because you literally can't even get in the door sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a bare so. minimum. Mm-hmm. At least be able to get in. Get in.
1: So and what just, does it look like to to create a school system with like you in mind, Johnny?
3: Like what does that mm. look like for you? Um, well, I have a tablet that I can do a computer and all that, voice the text and all that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And do you think part of... I don't know, because I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, ways that people are just not thinking of everyone. Right. Yeah. Um, and even in my classrooms, like, there was a class that I had with someone in a wheelchair, and I think my eyes just—we mm-hmm. didn't even have a conversation yet, and I just—my I just, eyes just blew open. And I was like, oh, my God, how does he get into the door? Mm-hmm. How does he get into the building? Yeah. Where does he go? We had a fire drill. Oh, my God! Mm. Where does he go? Do mm-hmm. we have to carry him down the steps? There's nowhere for him to go you know to get mm-hmm. out um and so I just started thinking. I was like, do we yeah. actually think of everyone in mind when we're building when we're we're even getting down to that level before you uh, even okay, get yeah. education? you know mm-hmm. and then also a thing that I was thinking is d- does does it not only require education on the behalf of you know staff and faculty, yep. but does it also require um some type of uh i don't want to say a, a, a prerequisite but some type of expectation of empathy yeah. mm-hmm. you know and i think that that yeah. lacks even just on the the you know neurotypical level but on a neurodivergent yeah. level i feel like even just the extra step of empathy um that's something that i that i'd be interesting to hear your yeah. your opinion on
3: I think it's very hard for people to understand um, that some people uh, need ADA accessibility and it's kind of complicated. Yeah. Because you're all in a wheelchair and you're kind of stuck there and it's kind of complicated.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Kind of cumbersome.
1: Mm. Yeah. That's what it is. But it's your norm, you know, so that has to be respected by everybody.
3: Yeah, that has to be respected with everybody, um, and, um, and so that's kind of hard for people to understand. Mm. Yeah.
0: Well, what you're this is making me think about how I mean, education in general was designed for rich, able-bodied, white men. Yeah. I mean, our our a formal education system, mm-hmm. and. We really and I just think about teachers who have all these rules around how to or how not to use technology in right. their classes. Mm-hmm. Like you must do this on a laptop while well, a lot of people use phones or tablets, you know, and, and what's the reason yeah. for that? But we're kind of retrofitting a model that from the start really didn't fit most people who are students now, actually. Right. Yes, yeah, so I, perhaps I, not the way to do it.
1: Yeah. How I was thinking of it is just like we're in a time now where there's more people that look like who wasn't supposed to be there Mm -hmm. so everybody's still fighting their way to be under the same I guess uh for lack of a better term ruling you know and and how things were were done and more and more of that is not fitting most people that are in the education system because it it wasn't Mm -hmm. for them so you have this majority that's like fighting to get their way into the education system and the education system still like, hey, it's like the 1800s, <laughs> you know, and and we're and we're trying to claw through that.
0: Yeah.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I do see that in my education as well. And I'm just thinking, you know, like, although there are the higher ups and people in charge, what do we see people like us, teachers and students what do we see them doing in the classroom so for mm-hmm. example Johnny, like could you answer like yeah. how, do, how do teachers help you in your classrooms
3: i think it's really important to have like these conversations that we're having now uh kind of more often because mm. then we can all congregate and have time to discuss because sometimes i find that things are are not working out the way that we, that we discovered. So if we can have more of these conversations, I think that would be helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, frequent check-ins too. I mean, sometimes with, this is higher ed, but yeah. it's, I remember this in high school too. A lot of mm-hmm. times we're so busy as teachers, we just are like, yeah. do the same stuff that we've always done mm-hmm. yeah. until we find out that we can't. Well, some people just keep doing it.
5: Yeah. And I think for some teachers, um, that technology component, they're a little bit afraid of it, oh, and yeah. afraid of yeah. how to incorporate that or to how they meet that person's needs. And I think if there was more understanding and empathy, yeah. um, they would realize you know, people aren't requesting those accommodations to take advantage of the system but mm-hmm. to access the system the right. same ways that other people do, um, but they just can't access it like everybody else. And so by giving yeah. them those accommodations, you make it fair for everybody. Yeah. Right. You know, it's not an advantage. It's not, you know, like mm-hmm. they're trying to play the system. It's That's how you – even the playing field yeah. for everybody, right, and give everyone access.
4: Yeah. Right? Yeah, well, yeah. Always, oh, sorry. Oh, that's okay. It's, it's like an input and output issue, right? So if the teacher is delivering an input, mm-hmm. what's the best way for that to get to everybody? Oh, so oh, everybody in yeah. the classroom, everybody participating – is able to understand what the curriculum's going on, what what's actually happening with that lesson and then even on a bigger level what's the sort of the year-long plan, what are they getting out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you look at yeah. other accommodations, they are there to help students with the output piece. Mm-hmm. Because mm. it's in there. Right. And how do they express what they know? How do they express their thoughts? How do they get that out so the teacher and their peers, mm-hmm. you know, everybody else in the classroom can really understand what their experience is and what their knowledge is. Mm-hmm. And how can they share that with the rest of us as well? Mm-hmm. That's always a piece that's also missing. Yeah. We talk about what teachers are doing and we're having adult conversations but we need to have the kids in those conversations. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And every class yeah. is different. Every student's yes. different.
1: Yeah. But like the, what what is expected is always like the same. Mm-hmm. Like every student, like I'm not going to treat anybody differently and like we do that in a yeah. non-discriminatory way but also we have to there has to be some mode of not discrimination, but understanding that everyone is going to come to you as a different person with a different le- learning method. Um, and I think we're still stuck in not knowing how to transition into that part of just like every student that you have in your classroom is not the same person. Mm-hmm. And they don't come learning exactly the same. Some people are visual. Some people are audio. And we give a lot of lip service to that. We do. But I don't think that we actually have figured out a way to put in practice the differences of how people learn and how they might be receptive or be able to like you said give you that output cuz it's going to look different but if you're looking for it i don't know there was a there's a graphic and it's talking about it's it's about the education system and i think it's like it's a bunch of different animals and it was yeah it's you're about yeah it's about um how everybody learns different and i think it's the the it's the way that the monkey would learn right but everybody else is kind of just mm-hmm. like you know, question marks. Like, I don't really know what that is because Mm -hmm. you have an elephant here that's just like, I don't learn the way the monkey learns. You know, you have a giraffe here that's just like, that's not me. Um, And so they're trying to figure out how to fit themselves into the mold of like how a monkey might learn. But we shouldn't be trying to fit people into a mold. We should be saying, hey, how do we figure out how to, you know, have the monkey learn in a certain way, have the elephant learn in a certain way, have the giraffe learn in a certain way, but Mm -hmm. with the same information that we're doing. I just think that it's, it's... it seems easy to me, you know, because I was born in the 90s, um, to bring a multi-level to education. But I do understand that part of it is you're coming – we're coming to an education system that is multi-generational. Um, yeah. And so you do have – with some of that technology that you were talking about, Aaron, um, some of those people that are afraid are people that still don't know how to use their cell phones. <laughs> you know? So some yeah. of those people that are afraid, like, can't wrap their head around. When I was growing up, we were using typewriters, and now all the kids have to do is go on Google. Some people are accepting of that. Some people are upset by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so even just being in that transitional piece, you see so much of the tech being, you know, part of what accessibility is and so that's kind of going to be a hard transition when people are still wrestling with like the cell phones and oh kids have their laptops and you know not even on a neurodivergent you know level just on a student level in 2023 so then you get past that even more and be like hey this technology isn't just leisure for these some students it is absolute like necessity
5: for other students so how do you how do you measure that Um, I I totally agree and I think one of the best ways that you can incorporate that is to really have um, people have that hands-on learning because, mm-hmm. yeah, you could talk about it so much, but mm-hmm. um, until they kind of live that experience and yeah. maybe it's something to incorporate into your your summit um, mm-hmm. is kind of, you know, really experiencing, um, you know, um, w- what those disabilities are like, yeah. you know, um, like I, I worked at a visually impaired school for a long time and we used to do trainings and I had to eat a salad um With no vision, with blind, and they Uh didn't tell you what you were eating. And that is a thing that stood out in my mind so
0: much. Because you had that experience. Because I
5: had that experience and just to be able to relate because no one told me there was French dressing on it. No one told me it was lettuce and cucumbers and it was awful. Uh And like that first bite you just have no idea and it definitely puts things into perspective. You know, this is how a student is living their life every single day and incorporating that. And no one's telling them those pieces. Mm. um, It's really challenging, you know? Right.
0: That communication is a big part of it too. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. I have a, um, a cousin with cerebral palsy who's in a chair and she, I forget what city she lived in at the time, but was trying to make changes to the like curb cuts and things. Yep. Um, And she's very um, persuasive person um, and she got the whole city council to spend a day yeah, in a, in a wheelchair. And then that mm. experience mm-hmm. was what had them make a lot of changes around the public space of the city. Yeah. She did yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How did she do that? I mean, you can talk about stuff in theory, but until you actually like have, uh, you know, mm-hmm. some kind of experience or a deep mm-hmm. level of empathy and connection with somebody, right. um, it's very easy to brush stuff off, I think.
5: Yeah. And yeah. it's, you know, I think a lot of people are like, it's not that bad. Like, everything is accessible, but it's not nope. until you live it or until you really hear those experiences to yeah. realize, you know, like I think having John transition to the transition program from the high school, you know, has been an adjustment for us all because there's a lot of pieces that go into planning his day and planning yep. his trips mm-hmm. because, like he said, you know, we have to make sure he can get in and out of the building. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you want to talk a little bit about that, John?
3: So what she was say was that I had to I had to um, I went to a building a couple of days a, a, or a week and a half ago mm-hmm. and it wasn't ADA accessible so I had to meet with a person uh, outside because I couldn't get in the entrance yeah how did
5: mom accommodate that so what did mom do to make that work
3: um take uh, take a video because you know I couldn't Go in, but I want other places to know, you know. Sometimes you're going to make the changes, and I don't think, even though Milford's kind of nice, they, uh, they have a lot of stairs, mm. Mm. and it's kind of cumbersome.
0: Yeah.
5: And that business, did they have a ramp to get in? Not really. I thought you said yes, but it was a but ramp that was not. It
3: was a ramp that. W- it was a ramp that you can go through the door, but then you had to go in that st- stairs or something.
0: Oh, So, yeah, I bet mm. that happens a lot where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, sure, we have a ramp.
3: Yep. Mm. Yeah, we we have a, a thing yeah. to
0: compress the door opens, mm-hmm. and then sort of yep. that's done. Right. right. Yeah. Never mind bathrooms.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we really – that's what I was saying. Like, I feel like even just the planning of – of just, like, how do we want our school to look? I think we're still just not thinking about everyone. Even just to hear that story in 2023 is kind of mind-blowing, you know, to see, like, all the ways that people with disabilities have been fighting, you know, to even get, like, the curb access and stuff like that. Mm. I would have expected a little bit better for something in higher education um, to be able to accommodate people, you know, because you see the doors and stuff like that. I get a little peeve because some yeah. of those doors are not working, um, and yeah. I would really appreciate yes, and I yeah. would appreciate if you know people had a little bit of um, understanding of the severity of those things not working, not yeah. just for every student, and you know for them to be able to not use the stairs, but for students that absolutely require that as a necessity, I think that that those things should be upkept. To the utmost, you know ability. Right. If you ability. have to come to class, it's yeah. part of exactly. the rules. You
0: got to go to class. So yeah, and just even thinking
1: of um, classroom accessibility, I started thinking of that. You know, because I had the the student in my class that was had a wheelchair, and we would have to help him into the doors. And I didn't think of that. I was like, okay, so people that have wheelchairs can get into the building, but what happens once they're in? You Know and you don't think right. in, of anything past elevator to get up and down, but then okay, how are they getting into rooms? Okay, mm-hmm. how are they getting to the bathroom? Is it open? Is it wide enough for them to get into the bathroom, let alone is them the having door a super stall? Heavy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, um, th- it can the stall actually fit? Is everybody putting the wheelchair accessible stall? There are places I've seen that still do not have that there. Oh, yeah, um, and so <laughs> they're,
0: they're nodding like <laughs> you, like, <laughs> yes. Yes. yes, we know this very well, yeah,
1: you know, so. Even just thinking of those things um, kind of frustrates me, you know, because I, I like to think of a place where everybody can fit and stuff like that. And, and everybody has their own space and has yeah. access. And we like to think in America that we are we are accessible to all, you know, and we're thinking of race and creed and color. And we're not thinking of ability. You know, we're not mm-hmm. thinking of. Or OK, so what. Yeah. You know, besides wheelchairs, yeah. what happens to people that are visually impaired on this campus? You know. Someone in a wheelchair, I'm I'm not lessening, but, you know, there's a visual way to figure that out. Someone that can't see... What happens when that button doesn't press? Right. You know, like, how exactly are they going to be able to step? Do you have the beeping sidewalks so they could be like, hey, something's happening. I can go across the street. You know, do people adhere to that? Is it something that you are giving people extra caution? You know, hey, I just want to let you know there's certain intersections that they don't exactly adhere to the speed. So be, you know, like, yeah. are we doing that? Are we accounting for the students on the campus um, or, or anywhere? You know, and so stuff like that. Yeah. I really, I really do pay attention to, and I really do get very frustrated over. Um, yeah, yeah, just yeah,
2: yeah. And hearing you all speak and hearing these different experiences, like I think about, you know, what about okay, like not everybody can be put into someone else's shoes like that and for not everybody sure. really wants to unfortunately yeah. mm-hmm. so like what are some resources that we might be able to use for people who are willing to try to make that change and like try to stand up for these really important um issues and be an advocate mm-hmm. i know that the dei office last year um they they read the book um demystifying disability, disability yeah. And, you know, they try to hold a dialogue around it. But, you know, because it wasn't really implemented, Mm -hmm. um, it didn't reach as many folks as we would like. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you all know from the Move for Public School System, what are some great resources that um,
3: others can use to just try to meet you halfway? Mm -hmm. Um, The resources that we have are kind of, well, we have a tech department. They, they're uh-huh. very good. I've seen them around Milford. They're, they're very good. They have a um, – um, and I know the librarian. She is very good uh-huh. um, with all the tech stuff. Um, but some of the tech stuff um, is kind of cumbersome. And the thing I want to bring up is um, for this campus – I think you guys should have like uh, some kind of tech clinic or uh-huh. or kind of that because we do it in Milford and I and I just think that we should have it here so you guys can experience uh, that and I could come in and show you guys all that stuff if you wanted to.
4: Hmm. Mm. And a lot of other resources as well. The, the biggest resource are the students themselves. Mm-hmm. Right, and now yeah. uh, a lot of students are, may not want to talk about their disability and how they are sure. interacting with their community around. But mm-hmm. a lot of students are, and I think a lot of students with different abilities are really coming terms with their own self-advocacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, you know, in Milford, we've been working with the state youth advisory board for six or seven years, which is really focusing on teaching students how to be self-advocates, yeah. how to stand up and say, "Hey, this is what I need." for a level playing field mm-hmm. and to really teach them how to become leaders. Cause they have their ideas they know what they need. Mm-hmm. And you put those kids in a room together mm-hmm. with people who can make change. Mm-hmm. And then that's how change happens. So in case like, hey, so you were talking about, you know, your, your cousin, yeah, right? That kind of idea, that level right. of work and starting, you know, even in middle school, you know we have students who are understanding what their IEP means, yeah. what, that, what that legal document yeah. means, mm. the different sections of it to eventually when our students are running their own meetings. Mm. so they're at the head of the table yeah. saying, "This is what I want out of my education. Mm. Mm. How are you, the school system, going to help me get there?" Wow, and that's our biggest one of our biggest
3: goals. And I know um, and I know my mom and dad have been trying to understand that, but you know people <laughs> are. Kind of not getting that, so yeah, that's a tough shift for
0: people to have students be in charge. That's tough for yeah. I think a lot of people yeah. um, to be that to be that self advocate.
4: Yeah, and you have to and this you have to work with the students, right? It's all about that relationship you have with them. When you're sharing that power, sharing the authority, making sure your expectations for them are high, but also having you know a safety net back where they need some different time or they yeah. need some space. Mm-hmm. You can help them work through that and process and use some different coping skills to help them overcome different challenges, mm-hmm. challenges that I've never had to overcome.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it, like, I, there's so much, frankly, that I didn't even learn until I went to college, but I, you know, some of the, the most incredible and fiercest uh, advocates and activists in the United States have been for disability rights um, and still are, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of times that gets sort of missed in the public narrative too. 100%. Um, that it's not just like a bunch of like good-hearted lawmakers decided to open up access.
4: It's like, yep. oh, no, no people, people fought. People mm. were fighting for that, yeah. Yeah, and still.
0: Yeah, and still. Yeah. And still, and still. So um, I love that that the focus is on um self-advocacy and supporting students in that. Um, mm. Because, uh, and I just have to say for folks listening, um, the kind of creative problem solving that that you all do in your field, like that all teachers do, but specifically y'all, um, Eric has one of his headphones turned inside out <laughs> so that Aaron can hear because right now we have me and Danielle um, and Johnny and Eric with the headphones. And we thought, oh no, like how is Aaron going to hear Zoe now? Eric's like, oh, I'll just flip the one headphone out. Um, and I just think that that's a, stream pop, <laughs> <so. laughs> oh yeah, and, and quick. But that's the yeah. kind of thing. Like that's what you. That's what you do, right? Every student is different, and every situation you end up in, it's a creative act.
4: When so many, so many things that, peop, you know, people without disabilities use and take for granted, yeah. stemmed from disability activi- activists,
0: yeah. right. Mm-hmm.
4: You know, when you think about, you know, the, the buttons hit, you know, you hit the accessible door button, the door opens. Yeah. Who mm-hmm. hasn't walked in, you know, to a building full of, you know, uh-huh. arms full of stuff? Yeah. Thank goodness that, that button oh, there. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that button's just for me. No, it's not. Right. But that we're using it, mm-hmm. you know, we think about speech to text. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it's on everybody's phone. Yep. You know, you're in the car and you're texting somebody with speech to text. Oh. That came from disability awareness. Mm-hmm. That came from disability advocates and yeah. accessibility.
0: Yeah, I've heard people in like an online meeting give sort of a, a, a I forget, like a, an acknowledgement of like, hey, the fact that we're able to meet in this virtual space is because of disability mm-hmm. activism. Mm-hmm.
4: And yep. You even hear, I think, um, you, you start seeing even politicians do, doing it when they're getting online. It's the good work that people are doing. When they're getting online, there's, yeah. you know, they're on TV or on video, and they're describing their background. Yes. It's like, you know, I'm a middle-aged white guy sitting in a small closet you know, with four people, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I describe my background so people with yeah. visual impairments can understand where I am mm-hmm. while I'm delivering this speech. Mm-hmm. takes me about 30 seconds, doesn't interrupt anything for anybody else, mm-hmm. but it opens up access to other people who may not be able to fully understand where somebody is. Go ahead, Johnny.
3: Um, it opens the door for other people to experience that um, like I made a park to experience all of that. Like I helped my parents fundraise that and we worked very hard with people and people were very generous and all of that. So. so it's an
0: accessible playground. Yeah. Yeah, what are some of the pieces that, that make it accessible? That's another thing. It's playgrounds everywhere, but they're um, not accessible. We
3: have like we have um a poured in place and all that we have that it's just, just to um if anybody on campus wants a tour i can give it to them <laughs> nice. and where is it johnny where's the playground um it's over near is um so have you ever been to eisenhower park before i sure have <laughs> that's where it is awesome
1: so for our listeners who may or may not be familiar with mm-hmm. Milford, Connecticut, could you let them know um, it's what's the is it is it called
3: Eisenhower Park? Yeah, it's Eisenhower Park. You can Google it on the Park and Rec Department website. Mm-hmm. It's all out there.
0: That's amazing. See, that's another thing, right? That, uh, you know, people, I'm sure, are enjoying that that playground and, and may mm-hmm. not know the history of how it got to be there.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Johnny, what's the name of the playground? Um, Bodie's Place. And why Bodie's Place? Because my dad used to um, call me Bodie, so we just kept the name there. Yeah.
5: And when we picked you up today, as he was getting you on the van, right? He, yeah. he called you, Bo. I yeah. heard it. Right? And it mm-hmm. was you know, yeah. pretty pretty neat, right? The playground has some yeah. great features. You, know, you can access the playground. There are two different levels, kind yeah. of an older playground yeah. and a younger playground. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fully accessible from the swings to the slides to the sandboxes. Mm. Each aspect Mm -hmm. has an accessibility section. I've brought my daughters there quite often. They're big fans, Mm. right?
0: Mm. That's just such a beautiful example of ways that, that, um, you know, you make a difference for somebody in your life that actually – and then it it, it creates that open door. We're using that metaphor a lot, but, I mean, if it's – that creates access for other kids in the community and for generations to come. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, okay. So we are um, in our last couple of minutes here, Johnny, we yeah. can do the, <laughs> the more fun part of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this has been amazing to have you here, but yeah. what are some of the, okay. Some of your, like who are your teams? Who are your favorite bands? Um, Tell I, us like, about
3: you. I like the Yankees and, I like the Mets. All kind of New York teams, the Rangers, yeah, the Islanders, all that.
4: Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever met anybody who likes both the Yankees and the Mets.
3: Well, you know, you so have how have did that happen? I don't even understand you that statement. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know, you have to, you have to be part of, uh, you have to be part of the fan base. So, you know, he's well rounded. We'll call you well rounded, Johnny. That's right. So, Johnny's
4: which which league is better, National League or American League?
3: Uh, you're going to trick me here?
4: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Probably the American League. Oh, uh, nope. Nope. Your answer is be incorrect. It's the National League because this yeah. way, no no designated <laughs> hitter nonsense. That's Everybody needs to get a bet. Oh, wow. This is a high-level conversation. <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> this, is, this is very nuanced. <laughs> what about music? We heard, um, so you all made some podcasts that we listened to before you came on, mm-hmm. Johnny. Um, you played yeah, some songs. So,
3: so I have an Amazon Echo um at home, and I, I might give you guys um, the access to my Facebook page just so you guys know what I'm doing and all that. So,
4: so Johnny, tell everybody a little bit how you make your podcast. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um. So how I make it is on Facebook. I have a Facebook account, um, and I post it, and I post, like what's going on in sports and all that, so I have updates and everything like that.
1: So how how exactly is your process of recording?
3: Um, well, the process is a little complicated. Um, mm-hmm. you have to you have to uh, record it, and then you have to save it to Google Drive, and then yeah, you have to find the file and do everything like that. Oh yeah. And I wish that there <laughs> was an easier way to do that, and I haven't found it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And do you, so. You use the the echo. Um, yeah, to play the music, and mm-hmm. even though it's not copyrighted music, I still use it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know I was thinking, like, can we play songs? Like, I don't even know.
3: I have no idea. I
0: don't um, think you can. I,
1: I did on the student
3: can. radio
0: station, but I don't know. What but that's that, a radio station. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know oh, yeah. what that
1: constitutes.
0: But I think so. Uh, using voice activated technologies, I mean. I, there's absolutely, not to say that the world of, of radio and podcasting is necessarily accessible now, but there, it certainly could be. Yeah. We have mm-hmm. the technology that it could be, and yeah. I would like to hear your podcast. Yeah. yeah.
3: So what are your future goals for, for podcasting? Um, my future goal is to have a radio station one day, and that's going to be kind of cumbersome because you have to. Well, I have some equipment so I can use that, but mm-hmm. it's gonna be kinda cumbersome because I can't really um I mean I have gaming a gaming system that is adaptive, but to make other things adaptive is kinda hard mm-hmm. as Zoe, you know that because you're 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 you must go through the same trouble that we all do, so Yeah, Yeah, I definitely know what you're talking about Um,
2: with accessibility. And even just we're talking about visually impaired, Mm -hmm. um, um, wheelchair users. Um, Honestly, just also thinking about people with like um, sensitivity differences, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, like I just think Mm of sometimes what if a place is too loud? Mm -hmm. What if a place doesn't have lights that yeah. are dimmable, it's yeah. too bright for someone. Um, and you just think about people that have um, temporary disabilities yeah. as well. I feel like that's where the conversation kind of shifts. Yeah. Chronic because illness. we look at people with, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we sure. look at people with who might have their um, full scope of ability one day and then it changes the next and we're more willing to adopt for them, but mm-hmm. not for people that struggle with this on the daily yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and things that, again, like with visual impairments, you might not always be able to tell or see. There's other disabilities as well that you might not be able to, to see, see mm-hmm. um, that mm. people would need help with. Um, And even just like for like a a radio station and stuff like that, having, you know, people describe what's going on, describe like if you have a visual part to your podcast, describing that, Mm -hmm. having captions for people who might be partially visually impaired. And correct captions. Yes. (laughs) Correct captions, everyone. (laughs) Yes. Um, Closed captioning is so important, even just for people with, you know, learning disabilities and people who might not be able to only hear things. Um, you might have to read it as well. I think all of that is important when it comes to entertainment in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. Johnny.
3: And I'm trying stuff. to uh, let people know that and try to come up with ideas of how I can share that in, in Milford. But I haven't. I haven't figured that out yet, so I'm trying to figure that out. Mm. Yeah, and, and you're doing an amazing job yeah. already.
0: I mean, this we, I mean, are we like the top ten podcasts in the United States? No, we are not, but we do have <laughs> not yet a not number yet, of not listeners, <laughs> um, and a number of them in Connecticut. But frankly, we have people all over the U.S. who listen, so they're all going to hear this. Yeah. So thank you to you three for joining us today. Yeah. Yes. Johnny, oh, really Eric, welcome. Aaron, this has been awesome. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. Any final words from you, Johnny?
3: Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Oh, um, tell people about your Facebook. Oh, so the um, Facebook podcast, Radio Milford, if you just type that in. Cool. Okay. Then you can find it.
0: Podcast Radio Milford. All right. Well, thank you so much. This is not the last time y'all hear from Johnny B.
3: No question. Thank
0: you.